This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our very special guest. He is the Franklin County Auditor, Michael Stinziano. Michael, welcome onto the show. We're really excited to have you on today. Thanks, Allison. Happy to be here. I want to hear a little bit about you. I think we should start this off with your career path. I know I was reading up on your bio and things like that before we got started, but I think it's good to talk a little bit about you, your background, how you got involved, and how you became the Franklin County Auditor, and maybe a little bit of your career journey, your background history. Give us a little bit of insight onto you and who you are. Sure. So appreciate the opportunity to be here. I always share just kind of a kid from Columbus, uh, a little rift off the uh, kid from Akron. <laughs> Born and raised uh, in Columbus, uh, uniquely a little bit of different background in that Ohio State truly was my backyard. Uh, mom and dad in 1980 bought a home in the uh, short North Victorian village area before families were moving down there for a very competitive price. Uh, renovated it and grew up uh, right there with the old Ohio State Hospital as my backyard. And so grew up in and around there, uniquely did grow up in a political household. When I was born at Mount Carmel West, uh, my father was a serving state representative. He continued that path. Mom also worked for state agencies, so got to see public service every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But then in the early 90s, politics being what they are, led to my parents moving out to the Chicago area. I moved with them, was a very disgruntled 12-year-old, and actually finished School back here in Columbus had to get emancipated because of high school basketball reasons, uh, leaving the district and moving back. I share all that because then my goal at 18 was to leave Ohio and never come back. My goal was to go south, wear t-shirt and shorts as many days as I could, led me to the University of Richmond. From Richmond, had an opportunity to spend some time in D.C., uh, got a master's, started law school, and then was ready actually to do that boomerang thing and come back to Central Ohio. So got a law degree at Ohio State. When I came back while at Ohio State Law School, worked for Secretary of State Jennifer Bruner, led to an opportunity to become director of the Board of Elections in Franklin County, can't run an election and run for office, and so uh, decided to try uh, an opportunity with an open statehouse seat. So won with 100% of the vote because my opponent withdrew and been doing public service ever since. So a very long-winded answer Growing up here, trying to leave, but obviously had opportunity and benefit of moving back. No, very cool. I always like to get people's background stories. It's fascinating to see, you know, what led up to getting to where you are at this point. So very cool to hear. And so you came from a family that kind of had this public service aspect to it. Did you always feel like that was going to be your path? Do you want to be an attorney? Like, what was that like? 
So no, <laughs> what was unique in the household that I grew up though, before Facebook, before Twitter, before email, my dad gave out our home phone number. And so when people still had phone cords and landlines, residents, constituents, businesses would call if they had an issue or concern. If mom and dad weren't home and I raced and got to the phone before my sister did, I would be the constituent intake. So it was fortunate to see uh, the role an elected official public servant can play in their community. That said, I mentioned elections being what they were, also got to see the role of redistricting and elections play it out. So after a 22-year career, uh, a new map resulted in dad losing 51 to 49 kind of watching my family shift and move back. So really didn't want to do politics. I actually thought I was going to go into coaching. At University of Richmond, I worked with the women's basketball team for three years. And I loved that. But I had a summer abroad experience that kind of became the aha, where I really liked public service, kind of finding policy ways to make community better. Thought I was going to go work at the British House of Commons for the summer. Had some friends that did it. They're like, it's a sweet gig. You get to drink tea. You get to be out and about. So I thought that's what I was signing up for. Tony Blair, who was prime minister at the time, two weeks before I got on the plane, dissolved parliament. And then I found myself working on their national elections. So what we spend two years doing for our presidential election, they knock out in about two months. So got assigned offsite, wasn't at parliament, was down the road at Wembley working for an incumbent, but the way it works, he's a member of, but not active incumbent, and was out in Wembley knocking on doors getting a lot of questions of, you know, you're clearly not from here. What are you doing? But it was great. Right place, right time. And so wanting to come back after being overseas to mix that election side with policy. And when I came back to Columbus, just the opportunity, the growth kind of all came together. No, I love that. Very, very cool. Thanks so much for sharing. And now and now you're now you're the Franklin County Auditor. So tell us a little bit about What's your role? What kind of responsibilities are underneath your umbrella? I know um, a lot of your office, the main focus is on the property value side of things and the assessment of that. But there's still so much more that your office does, right? And that you do. So give us a little insight on the roles and responsibilities of you as the auditor and what your office does. So the duties of a county auditor are about a mile wide. (laughs) So we're trying to sum it up that we protect, connect, and reassess. So the protect component is we are a chief fiscal officer for the county. I'm very popular. My name is on every check that goes out from the county. But we also have a weights and measures component, a licensing function with even dog licensing. And so that fiscal piece is huge. We touch the lives of residents every day. The good news is they don't realize it. But just making sure on the county budget side, fiscal responsibility, all of that is aligned and the auditor's office plays an immense role with that. On the also protect piece with weights and measures, when people are out at a grocery store outside of the city of Columbus, city of Columbus actually has their own division of weights and measures. We are making sure people are paying the right price at the pump on scales, all those functions. And we have a great team that goes across the county to fund things like the scale at the airport when you put your bag on to see if it increases the threshold that you may have to pay to the fairgrounds when people are making sure the prize winning sheep is uh, meeting the, the weight requirement. The connect piece is just making sure this office is out in the community, all the resources that we have because of the reappraisal, the role that property values with property taxes plays, making sure every resident is aware of what we do. Getting to the 19th, 20th, or 21st floor of the county government building, not the most accessible. So connecting people is something, particularly with this administration the last five years, we've been really dedicated of being out. We have a mobile office. 
providing as much services of the office as we can. And then the big one, which is probably the most interest to those that listen to the podcast is the reassess piece where we do our statutory requirement every three years, but in a different phase of those three years of property valuations. And the property valuations is very important under Ohio law because combined with your taxing districts, how we get to your property taxes, property taxes bill sent out and collected by the treasurer, not the auditor, but we set the rates. We work with all the local city villages, municipalities, and anything that's going on in that regard. So, I mean, every day we got about 140 employees dedicating to the businesses and residents as best they can. So many functions and services. Yeah, so much. So interesting. You're probably doing something, you know, different every day, which is fun. Always, always keeps it spicy. Yeah, and, every and day is a new challenge. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I know the property value stuff. I think, you know, you ended on such a great note there to kind of transition into into what we're going to spend the majority of today's episode talking about, which is you guys are getting ready to go through some reappraisals here in the Franklin County's auditor's office. So um, we're going to be talking about that and diving into the world, what you all have planned for that on your side of things, what that looks like, what it's going to mean for homeowners, you know, here in Franklin County. So I'm really excited to to learn a little bit more about this process and how it might impact property owners and our realtors too, you know, and, and, and what we need to know from you all as we head into this process. So I think we should start at kind of the beginning. Maybe what is reappraisal? What role do property owners play in that? I think maybe let's just start with the basics. Sure. So under Ohio law, every six years, all properties in a county have to go through a mass reappraisal process. The mass reappraisal process is an outside view. We don't go inside the home, but we go out, review all almost 450,000 parcels in Franklin County's case, look at what's been going on, calculate it with land grade, square footage, features of the home, and ultimately work with the Ohio Department of Taxation, who is the entity that actually sets the final values in establishing what we will ultimately call the auditor's appraised value. And so it is a process for the mass reappraisal we've been doing for the past two and a half years. This is where kind of the rubber hits the road in terms of now having more engagement directly with property owners. But we have been doing that process, again, the last two and a half years. Under Ohio law, there's a three-year real estate update, essentially, called a triennial update. So we did do an update in 2020. Now we're back with the mass reappraisal for 2023. Yeah, that's that sounds like so crazy to go through that many properties and reassess all of that. I mean, it just has to take like a massive amount of time, right? Is that kind of why the timeline is the way that it is? It does take a massive amount of time. It also, because we have so many parcels, takes a lot of folks and working with department taxation. All 88 counties go through this process. So different counties are in different cycles of their mass or triennial. Uh, This year, there'll be a little over 40 counties that are either doing the tri or the mass so getting it done in a timely way so we can get engagement from the property owners is important for us as well. Not all counties will follow that same timeline and process, and it's just based on the needs and size of each county. Yeah, that was going to be another thing I wanted to ask, too, is how Franklin County is is similar or different than kind of other counties around the state. If you're aware of kind of any of that, I know you mentioned the timeline might look a little bit different, but are there any other differences how Franklin County operates you know, compared to the rest of the counties around the state? So really, we'll start with just how many properties they have. There's actually only two organizations that we can partner with. So we do use a third-party appraisal vendor. There's only two that would qualify under our size and qualifications in the Department of Taxation. So different counties will use different vendors in terms of helping set the level of assessment, 
what the value increase or decrease may be and what that review will look like. So Franklin County for decades now have kind of established the going out and we'll talk a little about the timeline, notifying property owners, working with an informal property review, giving final determination. But at the end of the day, what's the same is we all have to get approval by the Department of Taxation. What varies a little bit is where in the timeline and how it gets communicated out to their property owners. So every county will go through something similar like this, just maybe a few changes here and there. I think that's important to clarify, especially when we do podcasts that are so specific to a certain location in the state. I think it's always good to kind of put the broader lens on things, too. When we look about the state as when we look at the state as a whole, you know, just how Franklin County differs or, or is the same than other of those. Because of our size and anticipated number of property owners that will ask questions in terms of the auditor's appraised value, we are a much more aggressive county in terms of having property owners come in, meet with an appraiser, do a tentative review. Not every county provides those opportunities. Uh, We'll also have in-person and virtual options. Not every county has the ability to do that. So that's where Franklin County is able to leverage some of the benefit of being such a large county. Sounds like a lot is determined depending on the size of the county. So I think that's that's good to note and, and good as we think about, you know, realtors from across the state, if they want to learn more about their local auditing process, I think it's always good to, to walk through that. So let's talk a little bit about like the process and the timeline for this. I mean, I know you mentioned a little bit about what goes into it all, how we started out, you know, where we are in the process, but walk us through from the beginning to the end what that timeline looks like. So the beginning is really not that exciting for probably the <laughs> listeners. Uh, we're going out a couple summers ago. We had a commercial survey, taking information on commercial properties. That survey is something the office had done for multiple administrations and decades. But learning from property owners of what's going on inside their buildings, what rents are, what features they have, because commercial is so unique. But then we go out, see where there's been growth across the county. Uh, we are always looking where we receive permits for municipalities. So if people have done additions, uh, make changes and gather all that information together while at the same time taking the entire county and creating delineated neighborhoods. So when people think neighborhoods, so we'll take Bexley, for example, you'll think North, Central, South Bexley. We'll actually even go a little more micro level and divvy up those portions. So you are looking at similar homes with similar features, with kind of similar benefits. Put that all kind of in the uh, appraisal calculator and start plugging those numbers and working with the third-party vendor to make sure things are consistent, see if there's any outliers, see what's going on. I mean, we are looking at what median sales are occurring as well. So not any outliers on the high end or low end, but where kind of the middle sweet spot is of different communities and what sales are occurring. This year, we took on an initiative where we had a neighborhood survey as well. We wanted to hear directly from residents. Typically, we hear from them on the tail end of the process. We wanted to try and move it to the front end. So if you take a neighborhood like mine that's near a hospital, has a school, near an entertainment district, a couple parks, an appraiser is going to assign a value to that. But what value do I see as a property owner? And so trying to factor that in and get that feedback uh, was important. And so finished that at the end of March. And now we are working to submit to the Department of Taxation our abstract and the information that we think the value should be. They'll review it. They'll get back to us. Let us know if we need to make any changes. We may negotiate. We may agree with the changes they recommend. And then we get to August. And that's now the big moment for everyone. August is when every property owner across the county will receive notification by mail of the auditor's appraised value. You'll also be able to go to the auditor website. Uh, We call this entire process the knowyourhomevalue.com campaign. 
And that will be your one-stop shop of learning of everything uh, reappraisal for 2023. So knowyourhomevalue.com is really the place to be. You can see the calendar now, but come August, get the auditor's appraised value. If you agree with the value, you don't have to do anything else. That will be the value that will carry forward and be used for property tax calculation in December. If you disagree, though, there will be opportunities to meet in person, meet virtually, submit documentation of where you think the value is too high or too low. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-license course locations. Looking for a stress-free way to manage your investment properties? Do you want to save your business time and money? If so, you might think about trying property management software like RentReady. RentReady simplifies the entire renting process, collecting rent, listing properties, signing leases, and managing maintenance. With our software, you can easily manage multiple properties from a single dashboard, post your listings on popular real estate websites, track rental applications, and automatically collect rent. Tenants apply and pay rent right from their phone. Ready to give Rent Ready a try? They're offering our listeners the six-month plan for $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code OHIO1, OHIO in the number one, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. That's like super interesting. And I love that we're having this conversation at this point in time because, you know, we're going to be leading up once this episode is released and you all are listening to it. This is going to be such perfect timing for that August date. So when you can go and actually see that on the website that you mentioned. So I think this is really great that we're doing this now. And I was wondering, too, what role the property owners, you know, kind of play in this, because you mentioned the neighborhood survey. You mentioned that once you do receive that information via mail or on the website, then you could come back and have a further discussion, which I think is really interesting. It's important that we know as property owners that we have that opportunity to take advantage of that. Any other roles that property owners play throughout this process other than kind of the things that we just mentioned? Always encourage the property owner to go to the auditor website and view the characteristics of the property and make sure they're accurate. And if a bathroom counts off, if square footage is off, having that information now may save you a meeting down the road to tell us that information is inaccurate. And so always encourage property owners to work with our office, make sure the information we have is updated and accurate. As we've been getting that message out, particularly this year, a fair amount of emails saying, oh, you know, we got rid of our garage and now it's a bedroom or this person consolidated where it was two bedrooms into one and it hasn't been updated. This process helps make sure that the data we use is accurate and as efficient and effective as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Good to, good stuff to know for all the consumers listening and, and realtors who are working with your clients. Make sure they're aware of this. So important. We mentioned kind of some of the things that go into uh, what determines a property value, bedrooms, you know, recent renovations, additions, adding on. What else goes into determining those property values? It goes as simple as the land grade, a little bit, the neighborhood characteristics, 
all will be factored in. And so as we look at that delineated neighborhood, trying to capture like properties and then recent sales, sales will help drive the valuation, kind of shows us where the market could be. That's why we are seeing what we call kind of the perfect storm across Franklin County. It has been such a hot real estate market the past four or five years. That is why values are going to be going up at another historic number. You know, three years ago for the triennial, the rise was a 20% increase, which was the largest at the time. And we're projecting right now on average across the county, it'll be about a 30% increase. And so it's really kind of what we described the perfect storm of hot real estate market, out-of-state investment, decades, decades of lack of housing to meet the population growth that we have, great economic opportunities. That growth is great, but that is what continues to drive up the price. And so when people see the auditor's appraised value, when uh, realtors or their clients kind of have questions, the gut is, if this property was going for sale today, what would that number be? And more often than not, the auditor's value is probably going to be a little lower, but not significantly. And so that's where we really challenge, ask people, if you want to challenge, what would be the value if you're trying to sell on the market right now? So thinking about all these factors that play into this, we've had, you know, major announcements with economic growth with the Intel site. I know that's technically in Licking County, I think, but with it being a neighboring county, how will stuff like that affect us here in Franklin County with our property? Do you think that's going to have a major impact on what we're going to see here in our county? I mean, it continues to have an impact just because it's more people moving here. The economic benefits of all the economic projects continue to be such a large university town, just seeing the growth population, just people are coming to Franklin County, which is awesome in the surrounding counties. We don't have the housing meeting that demand. And so that's where the values just continue to reflect what people are willing to pay. A lot of the folks listening to the podcast are aware that the market is not as hot in terms of number of sales. The price that folks are still willing to pay for a sale is at a record high. So that continues until we get caught up and and it won't happen anytime soon, particularly not this year. Housing need meeting the population. It's going to continue to go up. Definitely going to be um, interesting, something to watch. I know we just released our our monthly home sales numbers and we're seeing the same thing. Maybe less sales are taking place, but those home sale prices are still rising and on the upward trend. And I think that'll probably stay you know, around for a little while. So it will be interesting to watch. Going along with property values and in them increasing, I know something that kind of goes hand in hand in that is taxes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how taxes are impacted by this. What are you expecting to see from a tax realm and what we can look for when it comes to our, our property taxes? So yeah, the first question is, what's my value going to be? The next one is, what are my property taxes? So Property taxes in Ohio are comprised of the auditor's appraised value with your taxing district. Taxing district established more or less at the ballot box gets you to your property tax. And so this entire process is not meant to increase or decrease property taxes. It also is not a dollar for dollar match. So when I share that it's likely to be a 30% on average increase, property taxes should not be going up on average 30%. It's the auditor's appraised value. 35% of that value is the taxable amount compared to the taxing district. And so what's happening on your ballot, why part of our auditor's office, we really push a value of your vote campaign around election season, reminding people if they're approving a bond or levy, it could have an impact 
on their increases of their property taxes. And so we always see scenarios where values go up, taxes go down, values could go down, taxes could go up, it could stay even. It's really a weird dance, but it is not a dollar for dollar match. So I mean, the good news for anyone listening, everything's staying equal, nothing going on the ballot. No one's going to see a 30% increase. That's good news. We, we like to hear that, right? <laughs> for our cases though, so using the try as the model, on average, three years ago, it was a 20% increase. Property taxes went up about 7%. Some communities though, and Gahanna is the one I always share, they went up about 22%. Their property taxes went up 27 And that's because they approved a giant school issue at the ballot. And so in the last three years, I would say 90 to 95% of residents that ask, why did my property taxes go up so much? They're Gahanna residents and can point to what occurred at the ballot. That's why it's so important for anyone in Franklin County to know what's on their ballot, participate and understand the decisions at that ballot box may play a role in their property taxes. So then the third question I've been getting is, well, what are you going to do with the windfall of money in the auditor's office? doesn't come directly to the auditor's office. It goes to taxing entities. And under Ohio law, we have tax equalization. So even if your value goes up, it does not create a giant pool of property taxes all of a sudden. So when we go to the ballot box and agree to fund a school at a certain amount, that amount stays the same. Now, if there's tax abatements, if there's other things factoring in, it could change kind of the pool of dollars and tax money that would go in. But the property taxes aren't going to create a windfall for anybody. No, I think that's that's really good news to know. You know, definitely a lot of factors that can impact those um, property taxes, and it may not necessarily just be what your home is valued at. So I think that's important to know. Definitely keep an eye on any of those ballots that are popping up, you know, once we get into election season. All really good stuff to know. And I should make a quick plug. You can go to the auditor's website. We do have a tax calculator on the Know Your Home Value website because it's the second question we get. We will have for the first time historic indicator of your neighborhood delineation with the historic kind of characteristics of the taxing district. So there's going to be new features, new opportunities to engage throughout this process because while, yes, I can make it simple and say it goes up, it goes down people want to see what that number is going to be. And so this is going to be a resource and a tool where any property owner, any Franklin County resident can go plug that in and see for themselves kind of the dynamic and how it plays out. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. It sounds like on that website, there's a ton of great resources. Is there anything else that may be important for our listeners to know about when it comes to you know what's available to them, what we can look up now, what we should be aware of as we head into this process? So what's available now is really that calendar of events and some videos kind of describing what the process is going to be. As we get closer to August and getting the values out there, more information will be added. We're also sharing that what we're seeing in Franklin County is not unique. It's actually happening across Ohio, the triennial counties. So the number of counties that are doing the smaller reval this year, on average, they're going, one county is going above 40%. I think the lowest we saw was 22%. So this is something occurring across the state. And so we will have that information because we don't want people just to feel a perfect storm in Franklin County. It's really occurring across the state of Ohio. But once folks get that tenant of value, again, encouraged to schedule a review. There's no downside to doing the review. It's that opportunity, again, for the property owner to share where the information is inaccurate, where they think we've got the value wrong. We'll give them a final determination. And then come next year, they'll hear all about another opportunity if they still disagree with the appraised value. Yeah, I think that's really important you know, to mention that if you do disagree with that number uh, that you see coming through, how should we as homeowners kind of prepare for meeting with you all or, or to take through that review process? What should we come equipped with in order to better reevaluate our home's value? 
So when you go to the Know Your Home Value website, that will have some of that information. But a, a recent appraisal is probably the best indicator looking at other neighborhood sales or kind of showing pictures. I use, again, my home got renovated in the 80s and uh, still kind of has an 80s kitchen. And so when we were comparing to a home that was flipped two houses down, those kind of pictures help sell that story. Again, auditor's office doesn't go inside any home. So understanding what's doing or not is important. And so again, a recent appraisal, the easiest kind of way to justify this is what third-party appraiser came out. So this is what the value is. We're looking at sales of these are homes that are similar size, similar features, and this is what they went for. We think you got it wrong here. Or again, just current conditions of the property that we wouldn't be able to know about because we're not inside. Yeah, no, very important. Definitely good stuff to think about, you know, heading into this process. And you all are doing a lot of work kind of on the front end to make sure that these appraisals are accurate. Talk to us a little bit about what you're doing from your side of things to, to try and um, make this a very accurate and seamless reappraisal process. So I mentioned throughout, and I appreciate uh, kind of dropping these things in. So the first and foremost, what I heard leading up to the last time we did the try was a lot of property owners feeling they were being compared to properties that were at a characteristic of their home. So we really have added more delineated neighborhoods. That way, when you go to the Know Your Home Value website, you're able to look at these were the properties I was compared to. So really going with a more micro touch. I had great examples when I've shared of a community in Dublin that was this huge neighborhood. And we were able to break it up into four delineated neighborhoods. And that resulted in two of them going down one going up and one staying even, where before the whole thing was going up because the one component was just such an outlier. So expanding that delineated neighborhood, huge. I say delineated a lot. People don't always get it, but you'll be able to see kind of where it breaks out and the role it plays. You mentioned the neighborhood survey had great participation in areas that will help factor in where we establish the initial auditor's value that's closed, but no one should feel, oh, I didn't get to participate I feel like I've missed an opportunity because then take advantage of the informal property review process. And then always look at the information we have on the auditor's website and make sure it is updated and accurate. And if it's not, just email me, Auditor Stenziano at franklincountyohio.gov, and we will get it fixed. There you go. No, very, very cool. And then I kind of want to end on one last thing. So as realtors, what can we do um, to assist in this process? How can we best guide our clients? Is there any advice that you would have, you know, as realtors for us as this process develops and goes on? What should we kind of be doing or, or how should we be guiding our clients through this? We always appreciate just reminding them to visit the auditor's website, make sure the information's updated, as well as be on the lookout for the knowyourhomevalue.com website and kind of engaging with that. What's always disappointing, and it happens more than I would like, is people get that tax bill in December, and that's the first time they decide to engage with us. When we've got years, and particularly an important four or five months here, working with the auditor's office to make sure we get the values. Because by the time you get to December, you've only got one more bite at the apple and you've missed two, three, four different opportunities to engage. And so just reminding them of that process, visiting the auditor's website, checking out their property card that we have kind of as the digital footprint. Those are things clients can do every day does not have an impact. If there's questions, always can email the office and we will get them a timely answer. It should hopefully help them. Well, this was so awesome, um, Auditor Cinziano. I want to thank you again for this wealth of knowledge you shared with us. I know I learned something today. As a homeowner in Franklin County, I'm going to be looking up some of my stuff <laughs> um, later today as we wrap up. But great information and thank you for your time and for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity and 
feel free to follow up with any further questions for anyone that's listening. Uh, we're here to be a resource and understand kind of that property value is so important and we want to get it right and work with the property owners to help establish that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, Auditor. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. and that's with BrokerMint. Get complete visibility into every transaction and manage them all from one dashboard. Automate commissions, organize financials, reduce compliance risk, onboard new agents, generate reports and dashboards in seconds. So if you are ready to handle every back office task and bring your teams, tools, and data together with BrokerMint, visit brokermint.com forward slash Ohio Realtors. Plus, see how you can score 50% off of the implementation fee. That's brokermint.com slash Ohio Realtors.